0: Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace. Strengthening the Saints against Islam's assault on North America. Earlier this week we've been talking to you about the golden age of Islam, uh, that short, brief period, and the, um, why the Muslim world has not been very advanced in technology, why they've not really offered much to the world when it comes to intellectual developments and thinking and philosophy and inventions and literature and art and and so on. And it has a great deal to deal. uh, It it boils down to their religion, to Islam. It is uh, so oppressive to the mindset, to the thinking process. And and i want to discuss the part of the reason's why i'm discussing this in our program is i am plagued with this difficulty with this issue i want to try to explain to muslims the gospel to bring them to christ and through my background in missions i'm trained to uh, try to get my thinking into their mind, to try to understand the mind of the person I'm wishing to con- to convert, and so that's why I study uh, the religion of Islam, so that I can uh, understand the arguments and the issues and the landmines that we might step upon as we uh, talk doctrine and theology, but uh, I'm also trying to figure out how do I communicate in a way that will be meaningful. And so in this study of trying to understand the Muslim mind, you've got to wrestle with this to figure out why is it that this culture of Islam has produced so little when it comes to intellectual thinking? And what is it in their religion that forces them to not think the same way that you and I think in this Western culture? And some of the things that we, um, uh, we permit within our thinking is critical thinking, scientific thinking, exploration, questioning, doubting, and having freedoms to do so. Uh, without fear of uh, reprisal or punishment or ridicule. And so, you know, as as we look into this uh, today, let's dig into this a little deeper, and I think some of the things I'm going to reveal to you will help you perhaps as you may have a Muslim neighbor, a colleague, someone who is lost in the Islamic thinking, but they're not following the religion of Islam, Per se, as most of the Muslims that have come here to the West are, 8 out of 10 of the Muslims that come here to the West are trying to escape from the tyranny of Islam. They're looking for something different. They're looking for uh, some answers and hope. Islam certainly doesn't give it to them. And the countries they came from um, were um, not just underprivileged, but trapped. Trapped and locked down. And they want to throw this off, but. They don't know how to necessarily because A, they don't know the truth and B, um, their thinking is still awkward and they're trying to understand the the Western mind, too. So um, we need to unlock this for them. And, and so when it comes to um, science, let me just say this because I think it would help. From what we've talked about the last few days, uh, recently, not too long ago, within the last decade, Dr. Uh, Pervez uh, Hudboy, Pakistani physicist and professor at the Quaid-e-Azam University in Islamabad, said, "It is not Islamic to say that combining hydrogen and oxygen makes water. That's not Islamic to s- say it that way." You're supposed to say that when you bring hydrogen and oxygen together, then by the will of Allah, water is created. Now, why do I bring this up? Because, again, I'm trying to emphasize the thinking, the mind of Islam. They reject what I would call natural order. Everything is subject to Allah, to if it's. If it's part of Allah's creation, it is subject to Allah in every idea. Let me give you an example. Let's look at the issues of cause and effect. You know, we call this uh, causality. In other words, when, when, you, when you get into the deep thinking of the mind, you know, of, of, of things there, what caused you to be and what brought you about? What's your cause? What caused that to come about? Or let's put it this way, the old argument, what caused the rock to fall? Okay, now here in the West, we as Christians, we would see it this way. There's a first cause and a second cause. The first cause is God. God created the rock. The second cause would be natural order. And that would be gravity. Gravity made the rock to fall. So that would be our view. That's how we would answer the cause and effect. What, what made the rock fall? What caused that? Okay. Well, first, God created the rock. And secondly, he created a natural order. He put a natural order in place. And these things are operating, uh, not necessarily with God's fingers in everything, is that he started the ball rolling with a natural order and then everything follows that natural order unless God intervenes and performs a supernatural act that would be beyond that natural order. So when God caused the, when Jesus said, peace be still, he supernaturally stopped the natural order of the causes of weather that he had put in place from the beginning of time of creation. And he supernaturally interfered with it and caused the winds to cease and the weather, to, uh, the storm to cease when he spoke. That was a supernatural event. Now, in the Islamic view of God causing the rock, or rather the rock what caused the rock to fall, everything is a supernatural event. Let me explain it. So they believe in a first cause and a second cause. The Muslim view would be what made the rock fall. Well, first cause is that God created the rock. So there's the rock existence. The second cause is that God willed for the rock to fall. His fingers is in every aspect of life. Now, uh, so, so, so that would be because it's part of God's creation and it's subject to him and it has qadar, it has fate. Everything happens is qadar, the fate. Um, it's the nat- It's the order that God has um, chosen, he, or rather the best word is willed, what he willed. Now let's apply this to the thinking of democracy. Why is it that the Islamic world does not accept democracy? Well, in the Arabic language, there's no... There's no Arabic word for citizen, democracy, conscience, or even secular doesn't exist. It's not there. One does not vote for God. He simply obeys him. So man doesn't have a uh, uh, the order, the natural order to be free, to have his freedoms to choose free will. He does not have that, as we talked about yesterday. The Iranian professor, Dr. Abid Alkrum Sharush, said this. In order to have a real democratic system, your God cannot be a despotic God anymore. A despotic God would not be compatible with the democratic rule. So you have to change your idea of God. Despotism. The God of Islam is a despotic God. He is the supreme commander. You know, he rules. Everything is by his rule, and often a cruel rule, like a despot. And so what the Iranian professor is saying, if to have a democratic system, you cannot have that kind of a God upon you. But that's what Islam has, and therefore... Democracy cannot occur there. Now, yes, Muslims do believe in that all Muslims are created equal. But not all people of the world are created equal. Muslims are superior to the kafir, to the unbeliever. Abu Hamas, a proponent of Sharia law in Britain, said, he said only the most ignorant and animal minded individuals would insist that the prophet killers, being the Jews, the Jesus worshippers, meaning the Christians, deserve the same rights as us. So this is a foreign thinking to the Islamic world that the Christians and Jews or non-Muslims would have the same rights as Muslims because Muslims are superior and the Kafir is inferior. And uh, so they, they reject the, no, the notion that all man is created equal, which is something that you and I here in America believe very, very strongly. They, they consider it an issue of sovereignty when you look at the free will of man. Only God is sovereign. Man is not made to be sovereign, nor is he even made in the image of God. They view democracy as giving sovereignty to man. Professor Saeed of, uh, of the uh, Jamaat-Dawah uh, Ishad University in Pakistan said, the notion of sovereignty of the people is un-Islamic. Only Allah is sovereign. So why do we not have democracy? Well, I think that the former minister of finance and defense in Iraq, in his book "The Crisis of the Crisis of Islamic Civilization," he said it well. The Arabic word for individual is al-far. Does not have the commonly understood implications of a purposeful being imbued with the power of rational choice. Rather, the term carries the connotation of singularity, aloofness, or solitariness. Alphard is usually applied as one of the attributes of the supreme being. Man is simply unable to acquire any of the essential attributes. The entire edifice of individual rights is alien to the structure of the of Islamic reasoning. In short, what is he saying? The power of choice is not innate to man according to Islam. It's not part of their nature. He can only acquire it as a gift from Allah. And so this is the mindset of the Muslim world. This is why they don't accept democracy because that would put sovereignty in man's hands to give him power to choose the only choice he has is to obey not to choose and have freedom that is all under Allah so this is the Islamic world that we're dealing with and the religion and aren't you glad folks that the gospel came to your address I sure am you know it's only by God's grace that I wasn't born in Sudan or Iran and the same goes for you but let's have some compassion for those who've been born in this let's take the gospel to them the truth will set them free join us again tomorrow at the corner of truth and courage